Hello and welcome to The Breakdown, your short, sweet, and digestible guide to public policy issues facing the country today. I'm your host, Brian Phillips, with the Texas Public Policy Foundation. For more information on today's topic and just about really any issue that you might read about in the paper or tweet about or post or even hear about, check us online at texaspolicy.com. Today, we're going to break down an issue that has really exploded over the last year, maybe the last two years, and that's the question of what is going on in our schools. Now, specifically, parents actually know more about what's going on in their schools as a result of of the pandemic. Not that there's any silver lining with the pandemic, but certainly there was uh, more of an opportunity for parents to see, literally see what was going on inside the classrooms. And that has created a furious debate that is now raging about who should be the ultimate decider of what kids are taught, what materials that they're being provided in the schools, and really what parents, what, what rights parents have to demand that schools change what they're doing. With us are two individuals fighting for parents and students, albeit maybe even perhaps from different fronts uh, of the same side. Uh, Shannon Braun is a member of the Colleyville ISD School Board. Recently, the school board adopted new policies, uh, which frankly should not even be considered controversial in my opinion, but nevertheless, the education establishment doesn't like anyone telling them what to do, particularly as it tries to implement things like critical race theory and radical gender ideology in schools. Shannon was an outspoken member of these new policies, or a supporter of these new policies. Uh, Shannon, welcome to The Breakdown. Excellent. All right. And then Hi we also there. have Thank Mandy Drogan. Thank you so Drogan. much for having me. And Mandy is the campaign manager for the Texas Public Policy Foundation's Next Generation Texas Initiative. Now they cover the K-12, through higher ed, and workforce development policies. Mandy, of course, is a longtime advocate for parental empowerment and implementing choice in education. Welcome, Mandy. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, we'll start with you, Shannon, because I really want to get to your story. Uh, but first, I want to get to I want to understand a little bit more about um, about you and kind of, you know, what your what impetus was for for running for school board in the first place or joining the, the school board. You know, I've, I've worked in politics a long time and, and I'm, you know, see a lot of people who are interested in running for state office or being Congress or maybe president someday. Um, uh, but what was your what was your motivation specifically to run for school board? <laughs> I, uh, this, this question is very interesting to me because, um, in my life, I mean, I've got two children. My youngest is 21. My oldest is 26. So, uh, we were a sports family. So my daughter played division one soccer, high level. Uh, my, my son played division one baseball, high level. Uh, so we, I spent my life literally, I mean, I did the PTA and served in all the classrooms and did all the things that, you know, moms do, but we were a sports family. So we were training and doing a whole lot of, you know, getting better at what we do and perfecting a craft and, you know, stuff, stuff like that. So, uh, I, I have never been the PTA president. I've never, um, been in politics really before. I, I, I'm an engaged voter, uh, but I, I wouldn't say that, you know, I, I don't know people's names and I can't name up all the things and I'm not invited to <laughs> all the parties and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So I uh, really, when, when, when COVID began and we were kind of all locked down and then when we were all had our TVs on and we were watching our country get burned to the ground, I was very disturbed. I and mean, I, I, I literally spent many nights, what can we do to fix this? 
Like what on earth can we do? And because this is insane. And I started watching people. They, they were tearing stuff down. They didn't even know what they were tearing down. They didn't know why they were tearing it down. Um, and so I, I uh, started getting woken up by God. I mean, literally in the middle of the night, I started getting woken up. And uh, when I started kind of having this, like I need to do thing, something on a local level. And I, I thought the school board, which is where all of this stuff, this is where we're training our children. This is where they spend the majority of the day. This is where the thought processes are coming from. And I was like, this has to change. And in my local area where we're conservative, I noticed a shift. I, I've watched it for a really long time. I'm one of those parents that uh, I, I was paying attention, but I, I didn't ever have the pitchfork out. I, I was never, you know, trying to rally everyone around my thought process. I mean, I just kind of, when my kids came home, I just reprogrammed them from the day that, you know, tell me about this. Oh, well, what do you think? Let's talk through that. Let's, let's work through, you know, what does God's word say about this? What is, you know, what are our family values say about this? So we would just kind of reprogram our kids every day. And, um, it worked out it, that, that, that strategy worked, but, um, the day that literally I, when, when it was time to kind of sign up for, uh, school election stuff, I was like, oh, I'm not doing that. Like, absolutely not. I, I, I don't want to do it. I, this isn't me. Um, and when God started he went waking me up, waking me up, and I, I mean, I can't sleep. And so one day I was like, God, what on earth do you want with me? I just don't get it. And he said, I just need your skill set. And that really and truly changed everything because I thought, oh, my skill set. I mean, I, I don't have to be that smart. I don't have to really know that much what I'm doing. I just literally, if you're going to just use my natural ability, that's great. I mean, I can do that. So I jumped in and, uh, I don't know. My What's been your experience why, so far? I want to get into a specific, um, you know, earlier this year, your, your uh, the school board um, did pass new new policies, and we'll get into that a little bit. But overall, what has been your experience um, on the school board? Um, have you been shocked by anything uh, that you found now that you're, you know, responsible for digging into what's going on in our schools? I, I have been very shocked. Actually, uh, it's been mind boggling. Our our schools really aren't run that well. Uh, If you have a business mindset at all and, you know, just the way that you operate, you know, you spend the amount of money that you bring in, you, you know, you're expected to increase revenue. I mean, just the way that you would think as a business person Mm -hmm. is not the way that the educational system thinks. And, And it's more, you know, it's like what what we experience every day in the government. You know, you just spend money, you know, you don't keep the extra, you spend it, you find places to spend it unnecessarily. If, it, if you're in good times, you overspend. I mean, it, it just, it, it, it's been a little surprising. Um, in our district specifically, uh, we have had a yes mentality. Uh, you know, they, they pride themselves on being an innovative district, which means, you know, that if you're a teacher, you can come up and craft your own thing. And there, there was no standardized anything uh, with from school to school to school to school. So I there was been a decline for a long time. And, and I kind of watched it over about a 12 to 14 year period of time. I watched right. a, a, a gradual decline. Now, 
sitting on the board, I will say that there, there's a battle because you've got people that are fine with status quo. You've got people that don't have my growth mindset, you know, that don't have an excellence mindset. They're, they're okay with well, whatever the way that we've been doing it is just fine. And it's offensive uh, to say, hey, we could do this better. Hey, we can be better. And, you know, that offensive, you know, approach, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, you know, people don't like it. I mean, there's people that, you know, have a problem with now, the fact that you want to be better than what So, so that's kind of the, the general kind of you know, view. I want to get to a specific instance um, over the la- over the summer, over the last few months, uh, recently, um, Colleyville instituted policies aimed at uh, pervasive, vulgar, and obscene books that are in the schools, unfortunately. Um, what was the impetus for this action, and what kind of materials were you all finding that were in the schools? Well, so one of the things that I, I want to preface, like when I started running uh, for this seat, um, I, I was a grassroots kind of person. So I literally, how I fundraised was I literally went to a hundred friends and asked them for a hundred dollars. That's what I did. And then if I needed more, I went back and asked them for another hundred dollars. So if you go look at my campaign contributions, it's a lot of hundred dollars. And so I wanted the community to get invested. And that's kind of part of my, you know, how I operate. The more people that are invested in what you're doing, the, the more participation you're going to get, the more buy-in you're going to get, you know, whatever. And so in that process, an or, you know, a grassroots organization got built. And so we've got parents that were like, we're tired of this. We're, we're, we're sick and tired of this. So what started happening is when school started back this last year, parents are, you know, all of a sudden reading mandatory reading. This isn't just in the library. We're not talking about go check out a book. This is in the library. And so you're reading about incest, uh, rape, and it's described in, in detail. And so we started having parents come to school board meetings and they were getting silenced mm-hmm. and, and saying, you can't read that, it's inappropriate. And this was mandatory reading for AP level classes. <laughs> so that's kind of where all of this began in GCSD. Over in Keller, uh, you know, they were having issues with, uh, you know, library books. And so this is kind of different in that sense because we didn't have a progression of reading uh, books. Like, you know, when you're in ninth grade, you read this. And when you're in 10th grade, you read this. And, uh, you know, teachers were just able to pick whatever books they wanted to. And so that's where you know, this, these books, you know, started coming, coming in and the AP, um, this is kind of part of the problem too, because there's a federal level, state level and local level that you kind of have to fight in all of these things. Cause some of this stuff in the local level, you don't have control over what the state requires. And then, you know, right. the same thing with what, you know, federally is required. So there's a lot of levels that have to be fought. Uh, but the AP board, I mean, they're, requiring some of this in, terrible uh, reading. Mandy here and, at this and, point. And now, that. Mandy, the, the Texas Public Policy Foundation organized a, a parent empowerment tour over the summer. I think um, you guys hit, you know, 13 or 14 cities and towns uh, around uh, around Texas. So you have been on the ground, uh, you know, from the very beginning, um, you know, it, 
educating. I mean, I was going to say exposing, but really it's educating parents and, you know, and policymakers and activists and others um, about what's going on out there. Um, you know, what, what are you seeing on the ground? Is this, is this a, you know, an isolated case of things that are going on in certain school districts? Are you seeing this be more pervasive in all of the areas that you cover? Thanks, Brian. This is everywhere. And we've been in, we've done 15 parent empowerment tours throughout the state and had parents, particularly moms from all over the state, drive in to be a part of those events to share their experiences. I've seen moms come up to me with tears in their eyes saying they've been shut down, that they're literally teaching pornography, that they cannot figure out why their child comes home so sad and demoralized all the time. We are hearing from parents all throughout the state that have realized that they have trusted the so-called professionals in so many different realms of our life, particularly over the past several years. But this has really been going on for decades. There has been a a concerted effort to infiltrate our school systems. And it started really slow by putting, you know, certain programming in. And now it's gotten ratcheted up over the past decade where we're seeing this social emotional learning where they're coming in and sitting kids down and saying, share your feelings and whatever under the guise that they want to help them. But really they're starting to track this information. We're seeing surveys that are tracking everything about our children. They're asking them about whether or not they pray in the home. Do they have guns in the home? They're showing them sexualized images from very young ages, kindergarten, second grade, all the way up, claiming that they're going to be exposed to it regardless. So let's do it in this way. It's it's absolutely insane. And parents have woken up. They have said, we are not going to allow this. And we have strong parents mamas like Shannon, who have said, I am taking this school, this school district, our state and our country back. So this is going on everywhere. And it's not just in one way or another. There has been a very, very definitive, clear plan from the top down to infiltrate our school systems. And the purpose is, is that if you can essentially indoctrinate children from a very young age to have groupthink, to have no individuality, to separate themselves from their parents, and to tattle on their parents, to tell them, do we have guns in the house? Did my parents have a fight last night? Did whatever. Then the government can step in and pretend like they're the savior, pretend like they're the answer. And what that does is allow them to scoop up our children in mass in these school systems and convince them that they're the answer. And we know that as children grow, as we all know, Shannon is a grandmother now. She's raised her children. They, she now has a two-month-old child. And she sees, along with millions of other parents and mothers, particularly around the country, that if we don't do something to stop what is going on in our school systems, we're going to have a entire generation or generations of children that have been brainwashed to believe that 
they that the government is the answer, that they cannot be individuals and have thoughts of their own, that every perspective that they're somehow racist or a phobia of something or whatever it is, and it must stop. And thank God we have women like Shannon and like so many other women across this state that have said, I may not have the experience of being on a school board before. I may not run in political circles, but by gosh, I am standing up and doing something to stop this. Now, um, one of the things Shannon mentioned, Mandy, is that, you know, there are rules that govern what she can and can't do at the school board level. Uh, A lot of those rules obviously are put in place by the state. Uh, TPPF is obviously, you know, has its set of reforms that it wants to to do to address these things. What has been the response from state policymakers? Are they being made aware of this? Are they are they hearing from folks like Shannon and other uh, activists who are on the ground watching this take place in their schools? What's been the response from uh, from state policymakers? Well, absolutely. They're hearing it. And from multiple areas, a lot of them are trying to shut it down. Hence the reason that women like Shannon and myself and so many others were labeled domestic terrorists not too long ago. Um, So many entities that really have their hand in the till, if you will, of government funding that want to shut down parents that see the problems and for example, when when Shannon and I talked, you know, she had she had them go through as soon as she got on the board. And, and Shannon, you can tell the story, but found over eighteen thousand five hundred vendors that were paid in some way by the the Colleyville Grapevine School District that were part of pushing in all of these nefarious programs. And so there's so many people, so many businesses that have an interest in making money off this. And it's evil is the best way to describe it. And so there are many that are hearing and talking to legislators. We've got so many strong legislators that are ready to take this battle on at the state level. We've got so many strong leaders that are either running for or currently on the State Board of Education that are saying we're going to fight back against the others that are here on these boards. We've got so many parents that are opening their eyes and saying, I'm not against teachers and I'm not against public schools, but my goodness, I am against indoctrinating my children. I deserve transparency to see what is being taught in the classroom, why it's being taught to the children. I deserve to have the highest quality curriculum given to my student, my child, and I should be respected as the ultimate decision maker. And that's that's the reality that we're seeing all across the state. So, so many parents have joined arms and they've said, we're not going to take this anymore, but we're definitely up against very strong special interests that are able to um, push us back, to call us names, to terrorize us in various ways. And The good news is, is that we're more unified than ever. Parents are ready and fighting back. 
Now, Shannon, I want to get into a little bit about your experience on the school board, because I think the typical, at least the, the ones that we hear the most about, are the school boards that are trying to protect their power or, you know, the school board try to defend the administrators, the administrators defend the principals, the principals defend the teachers. And it's all um, sort of a club in which they're, you know, the, the establishment is defending itself. Your school board is taking a different approach. Um, why do you think your that, you know, your particular school board is different and what are they doing specifically to try and help parents? Parents and empower parents with with this information. Well, I don't think okay. our 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 school board is not different. So we we had a gentleman get on. He was the uh, a one you know he was single by himself you know on the board. He's a conservative. He was a CPA, um, and he got involved because he thought he could help with the finances. Then the next piece of the puzzle was myself, a mom who's a fighter, who's not going to, you know, say no. I, I, I literally am one of those people that when I bite on your leg, I will not let go <laughs> until the job is done. And so uh, you had two people. So we had two conservatives on a board of seven. And we, the, the, the objective then became about exposing mm-hmm. what, we were finding. So you've got to show people what's happening. And so in my view, you have to define all of these things. So for the last year and a half, we started defining uh, what are, what is the fight? So if it's academic, if it's quality of academics, well then where are we for real? Where, let's analyze where we are and then where were we? And then where do we want to be? And, and so none of those questions were being really asked and, and not answered honestly, because we were rubber stamping. We, we were protecting the district. We are. And, and so the job of the school board isn't to protect. It's actually to enhance. It's actually to oversee. It's actually to make sure that it's operating correctly and that we're being efficient and we're doing our job of actually educating kids. And so that I do think has gotten messed up. And so we started doing it a little bit different. Our community uh, got behind that. We elected two more conservatives. Uh, so we're now a 4-3 um, majority. And I find it interesting because if you would have asked anyone in our community prior to the last year and a half, they would have told you oh, wow. that these seven <laughs> board members were conservatives. And now all of a sudden, we're four, three. And when articles are being written, and I think this is just so funny, this just cracks me up. Now, all of a sudden, it's a conservative majority. Well, what about the other three? Because we have mm-hmm. some on here that say they're just as conservative as I am. And, and they will go out and say that. And so I think so some what of their narratives like is, It's not even apart, necessarily that they <laughs> were of like mind or of the right mind as the other uh, newer members, but just, just the pure tactic of, of the transparency element of actually finding this information out and then, and then educating the community about what's going on force their hand because you y'all have passed new policies you have instituted new policies uh to eliminate some of this stuff and so it's basically you're just forcing them out in the open and saying are you willing to defend this right exactly exactly so then it's like let them speak for themselves and then 
you know, it really has become about exposing. And so it's interesting because even with these policies that were already uh, law, by the way, like they, they were already, they're already the law. Now, this is very concerning. And, and this is the part that, that is mind boggling to me. But our district right now is rolling out, we are rolling out how we're going to implement these new local policies that are already law. So why weren't those rolled out last year? <laughs> why, why is the rollout now? Because again, I've been told this whole time that none of this stuff is happening. And none of these things are occurring in our schools. And so as they were being, you know, brought forward, like here's right. an instance, here's an so instance. So is that your advice to the parents? Um, uh, I um, want to get to Mandy on perhaps some uh, policy solutions in just a second. But is that, is that your, your advice then to parents? Um, is, is just try the, the, you know, try to find out as much as you can and then, and then expose it as much as possible, either through, you know, Facebook or, or showing up to meetings or you're like, how do, how do parents in, in districts that don't have a four three majority at the school board, um, what would be your advice to them to, to start to push back? Well, my advice on, on that specifically is first of all, parents have to be engaged. They have to want to be a parent of their children. I think we've gotten lazy as a culture. I mean, everything we do is lazy. We drive through a drive-through. We, you know, everything is about convenience. Well, it's the same thing with parenting. Parenting's hard. Parenting takes a lot of work, energy, effort. Uh, your kids are talking. You're tired. Uh, you know, engaging your children, finding out where their thoughts are. What do they think about things? What do they think about current events? Um, the, that usually isn't talked about. Usually it's, where's your, you know, is your room clean? Uh, do you have homework? Uh, hurry, let's go to whatever. Who are you hanging out with? I mean, so instead of those basic level questions, mm -hmm. we really need to be talking about what our viewpoints are. You know, let's talk about a topic at dinner. Um, let, let's, you know, if we're in the car running from point A to point B, have fun topics to talk about. It's, it's fun to see where your kids mm -hmm. are in, in their thought processes. Uh, and who's shaping those thoughts. Um, so I think being engaged is, is number one. And, and um, you, you've got to be paying attention to the stuff that your kids are reading. Uh, when I, my kids were in school, I would read the book that they read. Now, I, I didn't do it along. Like I would read ahead of them so I could read the book and then they'd read, hey, right. what do you think about those chat? I knew what they were reading. And so when they were doing a history lesson, I would look over their shoulder. I'd read stuff. If I, oh gosh, that's an interesting. Y'all are talking about Islam. Well, right. Y'all ever talk about, you know, like, tell me about this. And so I just think it's just vital that you're, that you're engaged in, in what your kids are, are learning. But then the next part of that is you need to speak up. You need to demand uh, excellence. You need to not settle. And uh, you need to come with solutions and, and not problems. So when I say that, I mean, uh, when you start going to your principal or going to your teacher, like, hey, listen, I'm not okay with this, but let me give you an alternative. Or I have a skill set. I could provide this uh, for the class, you know, during the day. Or, you know, I can help in, in these areas. Like, this is what I'm good at. I can come read or sit outside with a kid that, you know, is struggling. Um, so I don't know. I think that that parents have the solutions and our communities have the solutions to every single problem that we have, but it's necessary that they 
are aware of what they are, that they are speaking up about it. If you, if you are just one voice, you need to probably go get some other voices like you. Start having uh, monthly meetings where you have a group of parents that maybe are concerned about content or whatever. And, and you can change all of this stuff because these school districts, they don't want this stuff exposed. So as soon as you go to a school board meeting and you say it on camera, now it's now right. a thing. When um, it's not set on no, camera, man, you heard. Um, I mean, that's really, really <laughs> good advice um, for for parents. I mean, it, you know, there could not be anything more important uh, that they could be doing than than raising their children and making sure that they're not uh, receiving this kind of indoctrination. But it is exhausting. I mean, Mandy, you heard uh, Shannon say at the beginning that she's having to deprogram uh, her kids at night when they come home. They spend eight hours with you know, or however long it is with the with the teachers doing all this, and then she has to deprogram it. You know, isn't it isn't there some responsibility at the state level or, you know, policymakers or local and state policymakers to, to help parents here on this to, so that they don't have to worry about deprogramming their kids from, you know, critical race theory or radical gender ideology or or any of these other things? Like, are there things that the Texas Public Policy Foundation is supporting or promoting or even just that other members are, are working on or legislative members are working on that can that can really give parents you know, a toolkit or a tool set so that they feel like they have some real power uh, in this fight and aren't having to, you know, deprogram their kids every night when they get home? Absolutely. That's a, a great question. And yes, so what we have created at the Texas Public Policy Foundation to help with school board members who want to lead, who want to go in and completely revamp and make sure that you're getting back to the basics of educating children, not indoctrinating them. We've created the school board toolkit. And this is something that school board members are able to use so that they can understand, okay, here's your roles and responsibilities. Here's how you can do this. And one of the things that I that caught my attention about Shannon and her role there in totally transforming Grapevine Colleyville ISD and and moving forward with listening to parents and bringing the control back to parents, empowering parents, was that she picked out three areas to focus in. And I think that this is something that really every parent, every school board member, if you ask them and say, what do you want the school system to do? Any sane school board member would say three things, which is what Shannon touched on. Number one, get back to the basics of what school is for. It is for educating, not indoctrinating. That means a focus on high quality excellent curriculum, making sure that the parents know the curriculum and are able to see it. Something that I didn't even realize until recently in the past couple years is that, and a lot of people, a lot of parents don't realize this, is that curriculum is selected at the district level. And even if it's selected along with making sure that it aligns with the TEKS, which as you all know, we had to go and fight the TEKS at the school board level um, for social studies and history recently because they, the working group specifically said, we want to make it more about equity and less, quote, Eurocentric. That was their way of saying they wanted to make sure there was a lot of this CRT and nonsense in their curriculum. But 
The providers that are doing this, that again, have a financial interest, many of them greedy corporate entities, they're not providing classroom assistance. They're providing this indoctrination that is being pushed into our classrooms. And then we turn around and say, which TEA just admitted in committee hearings, that only 19% of classroom curriculum is on grade level in Texas. That means I don't care if you're in the best school district ever. Your curriculum providers are intentionally providing your school districts with dumbed down curriculum, and they're intentionally providing curriculum that has this crazy indoctrination woke nonsense. And that's how it's entering into the classroom. So back to what school boards can do and to Shannon's point of getting it back to high quality with focusing on reading, writing, rhetoric, math, all of the subjects that will prepare our children, our children who we love more than any bureaucrat, more than any monopoly system, any of that. Get them prepared to be happy, successful, productive adults. Then she said, we need to make sure and respect and pay our teachers for the professionals that they are. And that was going in and wiping out so many of these outside vendors that are have an interest in taking money out of the school district and saying, get rid of those and give our teachers a pay raise. That was so important. And then again, the third part was get all of the nonsense, the quote programmings, the social emotional learning, the diversity and equity programs, the critical race theory, all of this out of our classrooms. It's not what classrooms are for. And that is, those are three key points that everyone can go and do. And to the point of anyone saying, you know, well, we don't have enough money for teachers and people don't realize that TEA, Texas Education Agency, lists how much money we're spending per student, and they're sitting on an extra $2,000 per student in Texas. Just think about that. We're spending a little over $14,000 per student, and they have the revenue for $16,000. And people say, well, why are they sitting on that? Why aren't we giving our teachers pay raises? Why aren't we using money wisely? And the reason it goes back to corporate greed, it goes back to all these people that want to indoctrinate our kids and they they're constantly telling teachers that they're on their side. But what people don't realize is that when adjusted for inflation since 1970 in Texas, our per student spending has actually gone up 167%. But guess what? Our teachers pay has gone up. In the same time period, it's only gone up 11%. So you've got all of these entities that are claiming they're fighting for teachers when that's not true. Women, parents, citizens, voters like Shannon, they're out there fighting to treat our teachers with the respect that they deserve, to give them the pay raises they deserve. But we can't do that if we keep funding all of this craziness, if we have all of these outside third-party greedy corporate entities that they're getting the money out of our school system, and then they're saying, they're their teacher, we'll give you what you deserve when the time is right. But that is not true. And we have data to support that. And so more and more parents, more and more voters should be fighting for their school district to do exactly what Shannon's done. And she is here to say 
what it was. It was three steps and TPPF is here to support and provide the information, the documentation with the school board toolkit so that every single school board in Texas can do the exact same thing. Get us back to teaching our kids. So Shannon, then last question. That's a a great way to, um, yeah. Can I I interrupt in there? Can I say something on that? So what Mandy's saying is exactly accurate. We, and actually we don't actually put the resources into the classroom. So that's, that's part of the issue. So the fact that we're spending $14,000 per student, are you really getting $14,000 $14,000 per student uh, of, of education. Uh, and so when you look at how a day is built out and where time is spent and uh, how do you get quote unquote quality education. Uh, so a lot of our resources in a school district are spent, but it, it is not inside of the classroom. And that includes teacher pay. So kind of exactly what she's going to like administrative bloat Um, or like to the, you know, to pay off the superintendents and vendors that are bringing in CRT. So, so a lot of vendors, I mean, if, if you were to go freedom of information act, your local, you know, and say, Hey, listen, I'd like to see every vendor we have. I mean, you know, the amount of, you know, cleaning supplies and uh, maintenance, you know, things like, you know, how you're operating and, you know, taking care of your football fields and your soccer fields and your softball fields and all of those things, right? I mean, there's so many vendors, uh, vendors for, you'll, you'll have um, uh, uh, third party, you know, you, you literally, so what, one of the things she talked about, the 18,500 vendors that we got eliminated. Now we started cleaning out our closet and that's the way that I kind of talked about it is that when I went into all these schools, I went to all 22 schools in our district. I met with all every principal and I said, what can I do for you? Most of the teachers that I talked to said, listen, we don't have solutions for the problems that we have. So for example, if you have a math deficiency or if you're, you're trying, you know, kids aren't getting something like what tool can I use that will benefit these kids so that they can understand it better. Well, you've got hundreds of resources that these teachers don't have time to go figure out which one's the best one. How do you use it? You know, what's more, which one's more effective. So when I started kind of going, oh my gosh, like that's a great idea. So when I, when I said, listen, I'd like to see a list of all of the vendors that we use inside of a classroom. Um, it, it just anything that has to do with the classroom. Let's look at those vendors. Not the, the all the other stuff, because there's a ton of them. Uh, so when you started looking at that, it is a bunch. So I was like, let's clean out our closet. Instead of having 100 white T-shirts, let's maybe have 10 white T-shirts per problem, you know, per grade or per, you know, campus or however they want to do it. Um, so we started cleaning out the closet. And that's kind of where, you know, again, this third party stuff is where the stuff comes in, you know, where you can't monitor uh, through the teaks, you know, you, you can say, oh, this is what we're going to learn. But then it's that third party vendor that that isn't going to be uh, scrutinized, basically. So let, let's say that you buy that product, and then they've got indoctrination pieces in it, or lessons that are indoctrination, you might not use the indoctrination le- lesson, but it's still there. So kids could click on it, or 
you know, and all of its cartoon version and, you know, it's always, you know, easy and mindless, you know, to watch. So it's, it's very easy to kind of get sucked into some of it. Right. Um, so anyway, so she is right about that. But I think a lot of the, what I've seen is it's not that we can't afford to pay our teachers mm-hmm. more. We don't spend our money properly. Uh, the other thing I'd like to say regarding that, and this is just kind of in defense of the education system, but you know, these, these, superintendents, they are trained, literally trained to be in debt. So they're not teaching responsible spending. They, they train all of these educators to literally go out and get bonds and be in debt. And I think that's part of the deal too. As far as I'm concerned, as long as I'm a part of this, we're going to operate in a balanced budget. Now, you know, it's hard to do that, by the way, because we're, we're not balanced currently. So we will end up in a negative, but uh, we've got to start it balanced. And that has to be our goal. But that's not how they're, they're trained. And so, you know, in defense of them, they are being trained to um, live in this world of debt so and overspend and buy, buy, buy. So is that really the next step then? You know, is it just, just trying start. to better manage yeah. the school boards and get it back to sort of basics of fundamental, uh, fundamentally good management of the organization? If anything we've learned, and this is what I learned and my takeaway from COVID is simplified is, is good. Simplify. We, we, we overcomplicate every single thing that we do. Uh, what I'm doing on the school board is not rocket science. And, and I want to make sure that people understand you do not have to have a cape and a superpower. You don't. You just need common sense. And if you have common sense, you're going to do just fine. <laughs> and so it's just, you know, getting back to my goodness, like, I don't know. There's just, it, there's yeah. so much stuff that just say no. It, technology is great, but then when you overuse right. it, is it really great? Because now so, we don't know how to write our name on a piece of paper. You know, now we don't know how to do math configurations on a piece of paper. I think that that's kind of necessary. So, you know, I just, I think that we get so, we want to be advanced and technological on the cutting edge. And, you know, sometimes, the basics are just the basics, you know, and, and I, again, we're a sports family and I use this analogy all the time, but in sports, plain vanilla, the basics every single day, fielding your ball correctly, kicking the ball correctly, uh, you know, your swim stroke, golf stroke, whatever it is, it's, it's literally repeating the same thing over and over and over again. There's nothing sexy about that. But in that, when you master the basics of something, you can really achieve anything. And that to me is, you know, we've got to get back to a more simplified version of creating education. There's nothing wrong with flashcards, you know, repetition, things like that, that work and they work and they work. Uh, it doesn't well, require money. And it Amanda, this has time. been a fantastic discussion, really illuminating. I feel like there's just a, a whole other 
you know, set of issues that we could talk about and keep going. And you guys have illuminated a lot here and hopefully educated our audience on exactly what's going on. Um, you know, Godspeed to what you're doing there in the, the Colleyville ISD and really trying to make change and really fighting. I know a lot of parents are, are probably saying, you know, how do you have time to do, you know, to have two or three kids in schools and, and then reprogram them every day when they get home. But, you know, that's really where the fight is. And, and right now we're, we, we are, we may not feel like we're winning on this because um, the establishment is so stacked against us. So that's the kind of thing we have to do is we have to do the hard work of reprogramming. And like you said, engaging and getting involved every single day. Um, and then Mandy as well. I mean, you know, in promoting uh, those ideas and trying to help uh, get the rules changed, maybe at the state level um, that can help parents or at least give parents a fighting chance against uh, the establishments that they that they find in their school districts. Um, but this has been a really, really interesting talk, a really, really great talk. Hopefully people have learned a lot about what's going on in our schools. Uh, Shannon, thank you so much for, for being with us today. Sure. You're welcome. I'd like to say one last thing before we leave is that for people, if you're sitting there, I, I'm going to encourage parents to not be afraid and get involved. Um, it, it is worth every amount of energy and effort that it would take from you. Any lack of sleep that you get, it's worth it. And the afraid part, I have so many parents that just, they're all afraid of retribution. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, the, the Bugs Life movie where the, the ants think that they can't overcome the grasshoppers, but really in mass, they can't. Parents have, we have more control than we realize. And their voices mm -hmm. collectively great, great message. are very um, strong. Mandy, again, to you as well. Um, I know you've been working on this now uh, for, well, you've been working on this for a long time uh, in your career, but certainly with the Texas Public Policy Foundation going around the state, putting in thousands of miles, trying to let people know about this. And then the real fight, you know, or at least the next phase of the fight uh, starts with the state legislature next year, right? Absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Absolutely. That's it. It's making sure to Shannon's point, parents are unified and we have the fight in us. And the fact is, is nobody on the face of earth loves our children like we do. They're parents. And I have heard from lots of parents to Shannon's point that they are afraid to stand up. They're afraid of retribution. They're afraid of cancellation if they're in business or things like that. But the fact is, is that people don't realize there are thousands, millions of us all across the state, all across the country. And it just takes one or two leaders like Shannon to say, we've had enough. And to have the support and to hear from parents that link arms and say, we're in control. We love our, our children. We are their parents. We are the decision maker. And making sure that our legislators know and advocate for us. They realize that it is no longer the special interest that they can be answering to. Parents are the number one special interest group that all legislators better be paying attention to. And they better be standing firm for empowering parents. They better be standing firm for recognizing, acknowledging, and giving back to parents what they want in their child's education first and foremost above anything else that is high quality that is transparency of everything they're being taught and why they're being taught that is the respect that every parent deserves 
That is all what is going to be a discussion at the legislature in 2023. And to all parents out there, you know, in my when I used to run a C4 advocacy group, I would try and make sure that everyone know that your voice matters. And you may not realize this, but every single state legislator has a person, a staffer. It might be an intern. It might be a full-time staffer, but they are sitting there taking the calls and they are sitting there looking at the emails coming in and they, they tell the legislator, okay, this is how many calls came in on parent empowerment. This is how many calls came in on ensuring that parents have choices in their education. This is how many calls came in on this issue or that. So really just a phone call or an email or a tweet tag, all of that, I, re- I used to try and say, this all matters. And they do listen. And we can all join together and our voices will be heard. So I really do implore... All the parents out there who have had enough, who are sick and tired of having to waste time that they could be spending loving on their children and enjoying their children and interacting with them and not having to deprogram them from the nonsense in the school, to join with leaders like Shannon, join with Texas Public Policy Foundation, join with the thousands of parents across Texas that say, we're in control and we're taking it back. Fantastic message. This is a great, great discussion. Um, really appreciate you all uh, being on today. Uh, again, if you want to learn more about these issues, um, this is the number one issue uh, for the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Um, it's looking more and more like it will be the number one issue that will be taken up in the uh, Texas State Legislature next year. It certainly is going to be continued to be an issue at the local level with our school districts and with parents trying to get more involved and more activated. Um, so we will have more discussions like this. And if you need any more information on what's going on out there, again, texaspolicy.com. We have a website that's just full of information um, on the current debates on what things are going. If you want to sign up for our our daily newsletter, The Canon, or our weekly newsletter, uh, The Post, those are two really good ways uh, to stay informed. So again, thank you, Shannon. Again, Shannon Braun is the is a uh, member of the, the Grapevine Colleyville ISD School Board. Um, and Mandy Drogan is the campaign manager at the Texas Public Policy Foundation for our K-12 and other education work. Thank you both so much for being on today. Thank you, Brian. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening.